Today in the podcast, we're having a conversation about pioneering. The status quo is far from the life that we were created to live. Well, that's what today's guest Cam Greenwood believes and is here to talk all about. Cam is a remarkable young entrepreneur and I've had the privilege of knowing him for about the last six or so years. And during that time, I've watched him navigate the highs and lows of business. One of the things that I admire about Cam is that he is someone who refuses to give up when he gets knocked down. And it's that grit and determination to keep walking the unconventional path that's resulted in great success for his business, Zorali, which he built alongside his wife, Elise. Zorali is an Australian outdoor brand that's on a mission to get the world outside. And today, we're going to take a look behind the scenes of the journey. Joining me on the phone is Cam Greenwood, and he's the co-founder alongside his wife, Elise, and chief pioneer of Zorali. Cam's adventurous spirit has attracted an abundance of attention, and he's recognized as one of Australia's most creative entrepreneurs under the age of 30. Cam was featured in Smart Company's Smart 30 Under 30 list. His passion for encouraging people to expand their thinking has also led him to share his unique view of the world across Australia and beyond on many different stages and forums. For Cam, life's an adventure, an invisible path even more exhilarating than the most breathtaking of hikes. And as long as there are more corners to explore, Cam's going to continue seeking what's around the next one. Ultimately, Cam's goal is to ensure people believe that all things are possible when you actively engage in a life driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear. He's a great man, a great thinker, and I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Cam, welcome to Phone Calls of Clever People. Thanks for having me, Shane. Happy to be here. Hey, so... We do this thing on the show, which is Fast Facts, and it's literally just three real simple, quick questions, which is, where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do now? Wow, great questions. Uh, I was born in Melbourne, Upper Fir Tree Gully, to be specific. Uh, it's very first, specific. <laughs> first job, basketball referee. Not a good one. I'll love that as well. <laughs> were you a fair referee? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, th- I like to think I was fair. The first memory that comes out, out of being a basketball ref was having to do it at like 7am on a Saturday morning and being half asleep and the ball going out of court and just being like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe <laughs> just maybe it went out. <laughs> um, and third question. What do you do now? Yes. What do I do now? Um, one to not forget. I am the co-founder of an outdoor brand alongside my wife, Elise, called Zorali. So we sell outdoor gear and apparel um, and yeah, we're on a mission to get the word outside. I love that. It's such a good mission, especially after spending two years locked up inside houses yeah. here in Melbourne. I think everyone should be on a mission to get outside. I know, um, yeah. Hey, I know people will have um, potentially heard of you before, seen some of your things or potentially heard some of the story and in some of your journey. Um, and if they haven't, there's a, a hundred podcasts out there that people could listen to, to learn about the, the story. But for people who are listening to this, who maybe just need a bit of context, give us a quick like helicopter view over your journey from kicking off to yep. where you are now. I know it's a huge story, but maybe yeah. just give us some of the, the kind of key moments so people have Alrighty. a bit of context for I'll you. Keep it. Uh, yeah. So when I was... When I finished school, let's go way back to finishing school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. 
and I always had a big imagination growing up. Always loved like living these adventures in my imagination. And um, the problem was my imagination never really lined up with my reality. So my imagination, I'd be you know playing in the NBA or <laughs> going on these epic <laughs> adventures, and then you know of it. You know, in real life, I was just the uh, basketball ref on Saturday morning who didn't know <laughs> which which team to give the ball to. Um, so I had this thing where I just didn't want to like accept going through the motions, just doing the typical thing you're expected to do after school and wanted to do something that, yeah, just uh, got me excited to get out, up out of bed. And I had this dream to start a surf brand and I just decided to pursue that so started with a surfboard in my parents backyard then we eventually launched some clothing and like long story short dropped out of uni to pursue that full time um in the peak of its success we had customers in over 40 countries it was a very small brand but we had a really wide presence we had a store in East, um in ringwood in melbourne yeah and we had a global brand they might sell some type of energy drinks and sound similar to what my <laughs> brand was called monster sir uh they came after us uh in about 2017 um over some trademark issues which was good fun that kicked off like a two-year legal journey um which was quite challenging at the time, but I actually look back. But I mean, you now. had a, a, a full legal team of, you know, I mean, being a small surf <laughs> brand at the time in yeah. the Eastern suburbs of Melbourne, you had a huge legal team to fight yeah. that, right? Massive, massive. <laughs> our, their $20 million legal budget versus ours was pretty, pretty <laughs> fair. Um, so, yeah, but I, I honestly see, look back at that. So that basically shut everything down, but I look back at it as a massive blessing in disguise because, um, everyone would say to me, I love your brand, but I don't surf. And I would say, it's not about surfing. It's about getting outside. So when we're in all of this, I thought maybe this is opportunity to take the community that I'd built, all the lessons that I'd learned and, um, yeah, realign what I really felt like the mission was about, which was getting people outside. And that coincided with uh, moving down to where I live now, Ocean Grove, where I met Elise. Elise was also really passionate about the outdoors, camping, and um, in our early days hanging out. Yeah, we uh, I was kind of in this legal stuff and we would just dream about starting our own thing. She was working at Rip Curl as a designer, so she had skills I didn't have. And yeah, we decided to take a big leap of faith together and um, start an outdoor brand. So it's a rally launched in 2019 and um, yeah, it's got a heap of momentum behind it now and made it through COVID, which honestly as well was probably like in a funny way, like nothing could have reinforced our mission more than a global pandemic when people can't go outside off the backside. Everyone's like, yeah, actually the outdoors is really important. Yeah. So. Um, I think yeah, everyone starts to realize what they lost when they got put inside. Um, exactly. You know, all the little simple things, right? Like hanging out with friends. It used to be a bit of a luxury of like, I can say no because I don't feel like hanging out tonight. But then you're taken mm. away and you put in your home and you don't get the opportunity to hang out. Everyone's like, well, I kind of want to. Maybe yeah. like... <laughs> 
I don't, maybe I don't really want to, but I, I want the option to be able to do that. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is, which is huge. And you launched the rally in a bit of an unconventional way, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I remember the things that always stood out to me were just the videos and the campaigns that you did to kind of launch each of your big moments. Yeah. They were so well done. So uh, like the, the art of storytelling in what you guys have done has been phenomenal, but like talk to us through the unconventional way in which the rally kind of started. Yeah. So police and I had big dreams, but we had basically no funding and no savings <laughs> so it's a familiar like, story <laughs> all right how are we going to get this thing off the ground so yeah we i, I think like when you're when you're really when you have to work within your constraints like that it does cause you to be creative and it can be like almost a positive so um you know if we had like a massive budget we probably would have launched it in a way that was like didn't make a lot of noise wasn't that fun so what we had to do was figure out how we we're going to get people behind it and um, yeah, get a community to help us get off the ground. So we heard about a thing called equity crowdfunding from one of our mentors and um, we didn't, we had no idea what it was because um, we were actually going to try to launch with like a traditional crowdfund where it's like pre-order this product and help us kind of get off the ground and then we'll send you the product once it's off the ground. So instead of... Um, traditional crowdfunding equity crowdfunding is you're giving people equity in your business through like a kind of traditional crowdfunding kind of model where you can like raise money from the crowd essentially so we created this uh very out there video of me and the guys who were involved with the surf brand like walking through a forest talking about our journey so far and then we uh walked into one of my mates who's like 610 like super hairy chest and it could be the modern day version of goliath and we bump into goliath we painted on him big brand and we talked about how we had this big legal thing <laughs> with this brand and they like knocked us off from the mountaintop right into the valley and um how yeah how elise at least comes into the story it's like super cheesy and corny and we talked about our dreams for Zerali and um, throughout this big call to action to join us on our mission to get the world outside and to start this outdoor brand in a way that had never been done in the outdoor space. And um, yeah, we were blown away with the result. We Our maximum target was 300K. We hit that um, to over 550 investors. And yeah, it just gave, it gave us incredible like strength from day one because we launched with a really strong community of people um, who not only gave us the funding to really get it off the ground and activate it, but were, you know, spreading the word, wanting to see it succeed from day one. And I think that went a long way to, yeah, getting us to where we are today. Yeah, it's such an inspiring story, mate. And I think everyone, especially like people who are listening in Australia, there's an Australian culture that it has, it's kind of like, it's weird because we have two kind of big cultures in Australia. One is tall poppy, which is we don't like, like people who are like getting ahead, we tend to cut people yeah. down either through sarcasm or in other ways. So we have a tall poppy culture, but we also have a really strong underdog culture, which is we love the little guy and we love yeah. the guy that's like been knocked down. We want to kind of help, help him, which those two seem to be like polar opposite cultures yeah. and yet they still both <laughs> exist within Australia. Um, but it's been super inspiring to see your journey and, and what it's grown to be, uh, to what Zorali's grown to become. Um, I think one of the things that I've always been super inspired by you and Elise and what you've done is, is your ability to be able to build community around a brand, 
it is it is absolutely sensational. You have not just people who are, you know, like customers of your brand, you have community all around it. I mean, has that been intentional from the start? Like, mm. how do you build something like that? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we've been really inspired to keep it really community led since day one, which is why we decided to go down that equity crowdfund path um, at the beginning. And we've, yeah, we've really tried to stay true to that um, and not just be this like thing that we relied on to launch and then it all just becomes about us. Um, so yeah, we I think it really comes down to authenticity. Like one of the things we did um, after we launched was we ran heaps of meetups. So on like Saturday mornings, we just put a, a call out saying, Hey, like we're going for a hike here, come along. And we'd have like 10, 20 people, um, people we'd never met just come and go on these short little hikes with us. And, uh, it was really, it was really cool. Like Lisa and I are actually quite introverted. So to do that was like, not really the, didn't feel very natural to us. And like, even when we'd organize it, we'd have like those moments of doubt where we'd be like, oh, is this going to be fun? Is this going to be weird? Like, oh, I don't know if I have the energy for this. <laughs> and then <laughs> it would always be like the highlight of our week. Like when we're driving home, um, we'd always be like, that was so cool. Like meeting all these people. Um, and yeah, even through COVID, we did, we did things like we did um, like virtual campouts where we would, uh, encourage everyone to like get their families together and camp out in their backyard or in their living room and the best camp out um, the most creative camp out got like would win one of our tents and um, that's so good yeah we've got a Facebook group now with like over 9,000 people in there and they're always posting like their adventures that they're going on on their weekends and um, but yeah I think I think for us, yeah, it has all come down to authenticity and like being open and vulnerable for our customers and community to actually connect with us and um, see that we deeply understand their lifestyle and like the importance of the outdoors in their lives. And like we too are kind of on the same page as them. It's not like we're this like corporate company that they're mm. transacting with on like a traditional um, basis they, they're actually kind of like on the same level as us and I think that's um, really helped us create the community that we do have it's amazing and uh, yeah it's it's actually what you're doing is is really really cool even just the mission of the company and, and the business and and what you're inspiring people to do is you know it's actually really really cool so I mean that's super helpful context for people who are understanding I guess that's just a small snippet of, of a much bigger story and it's such a cool story that people should check out um I feel like so much of that story or the, all those kind of key milestones and moments, there's been a pivotal point in time where there is the well-worn path that people might follow. Like go back to when you leave school. There's mm -hmm. the, okay, well, I finish school, I go to uni, then I get a job and then I do this and I do that. And then you were like, I just, I, I didn't want to necessarily just go down the kind of path that everyone else would go down. I wanted to do something different. Like, where does that come from? Like you say, like I'm a bit of an introverted person, yet you seem to be the kind of person who's always carving out new paths. Yeah, And yeah. it feels like those things might go at odds with each other. Like where yeah. does that come from? Yeah, great question. Yeah, everyone's always surprised when I say I'm an introvert, um, which is funny. <laughs> I, can, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I often say to people I'm a charismatic introvert, meaning that like when I'm on, I turn the switch yeah, on. Yeah. And then when I'm done, I'm like, I'm well and truly yeah, done. <laughs> I can I can definitely relate to that. Um yeah, I think 
don't know. Like, I think I've always had this, um, like, I don't know if this is related to why I'm like that, but when I was super young, so like, I don't know, eight, 10 years old, I would, um, I, <laughs> after school, I would like go climb trees and pretend I was like a pioneer or like a, an explorer, um, exploring like these new, uh, territories in the trees, like yeah. literally. Um, so I think I've always had this like kind of pioneering spirit or desire to have a pioneering spirit mm. within me. And then, um, yeah, because I probably am a bit more naturally introverted, maybe it took a while for me to actually find the courage to like go and activate that in real life and not just in my imagination. Mm. So I think there was probably like a big uh, process for me growing up on like developing the courage to actually go and follow my dreams, ideas, um, the things that I wanted to chase after. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where I, I guess sometimes you have to look around and, and you realize that it's not um like to me, this feels my kind of lifestyle or the things that I've done. It feels like very natural to me. It's probably taken me a little while to actually understand that like, um, yeah, it's not easy. It's, <laughs> it's not easy yeah. stepping out into the unknown and following your passions and like overcoming fear, overcoming obstacles to ultimately make them become a reality is, um, uh, yeah, it's something that's just become second nature to me now, but I probably forget uh, the times when I was 18, 19 and the, um, the like inward struggle to like, do I fit in, follow the crowd or do I go chase this thing? And yeah, I think I still like, I still probably have that wrestle going on. It's just the, um, I think we all do, right? Yeah, back then. Because we've all got the, the challenge to to sit between the the status quo, the conventional yep. ways of doing things and the, the new kind of risky path or yeah. the pioneering path. And yeah. like you describe yourself as a really imaginative child and you're still kind of an imaginative person. I often think to build something significant, you kind of have to be because you need to envision a future that doesn't exist yet, mm. uh, which is part of what entrepreneurs do is they envision a future and then they go out about kind of creating that. Yeah. And I, and I, I get the sense that sometimes I, people might, maybe who are listening to this or people that I talk to might go, ah, oh, I wasn't the imaginative person. I'm not the big dreamer. Mm. I'm the real boots on the ground person. Do you think everyone has the potential to envision a future and imagine a future that doesn't exist yet? Yeah, I think it can be learned. Like mm. um, the dynamic with Elise and I, I'm probably a little bit more out there with my ideas and my perception of what could be. And Elise is a little bit more feet on the ground and like, yeah. It works well because we kind of like Good combo. <laughs> yeah. But I remember even just like early days of Zerali when she started becoming a bit more Yeah, it's like through that process of taking that leap of faith that kind of we went on. I think I feel like Elise went into this um process of becoming a bit more visionary than like maybe at the start. She had some like like she, she was equally as much part of the vision as what I was, but she was always like 
But what if it doesn't work? And I was like, but what yeah. if it does work? <laughs> what a good conversation. Yeah, but I feel like Elise has become more and more, like she's developed more and more throughout the years, like her ability to create vision and be the creative visionary, which she is now behind the business. Now I'm almost more like the feet on the ground director at the top going, oh, like, <laughs> like budgets blah, yeah. blah 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 and i've almost <laughs> become like that and now elise is like the creative so i think it can be a bit of a learned skill it definitely i think does probably come uh more natural to maybe people that do have that big Im- imagination but i think yeah if you just gotta through, like anything take those small baby steps and then you know develop and grow and gain new confidence yeah. to take take the next step and the next step after that and yeah i think you you can you can become a, a dreamer by getting around other dreamers right yeah, like i know i've been yeah. around people and i you know i said to someone recently i i felt like for a long time i was in this kind of particular world and it was a big world and then you meet someone who's from a bigger world and you go they they start talking about things and you're like what do you mean yeah like, what do you mean you're talking about that? I mean, like, let's talk about a business, running a business. You, you get around, you start a business and you're so excited to be earning in the hundreds of thousands of dollars or even the tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And you're like, this is so amazing. Yeah. And you just can't even imagine a future where you're earning millions of dollars. Yeah. And then you get around someone who's earning millions of dollars and you're like, wow, this is like, yeah, mind blowing. you're living a huge life. <laughs> but then you meet someone who's making the tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And you're like, it's so far, like it keeps expanding your thoughts yeah. and your imagination. And I mean, let's just talk about money, but that's in anything, that's right? You so meet true. someone who's living a big life in any kind of capacity. They've got like, and you're like, wow, I just, I want a little bit more of that. So dreamers yeah. that hang out with dreamers kind of enlarge their capacity, I would, I would yeah. imagine. And I think there's like mental thermostats that everyone has. Um, nice. So that, that really resonated with me. Like when I started the business, um, the first year was like really tough. It like it started as a rally, sorry. I just thought it would take off where Monster kind of ended. And yeah. it was not like that at all. It was like way slower than what we'd hoped for, forecasted. Um, and I remember at the end of our first year of trading, I was so exhausted. <laughs> and I don't know, we were probably like, we've probably over well over 10x the size of where this was and this is i'm talking wow. like two years ago so not not yeah. not a, that long, long long ago um and yeah i was so exhausted and i was just thinking to myself i don't even know how we're even gonna like increase our revenue <laughs> like 10 percent next year and because i was feeling exhausted i recognized within myself i needed to get around some big thinkers, some like big dreamers mm. to reignite that within me. And um, yeah, which was, which was really healthy. And then looking back, like, I think we ended up, uh, we grew our revenue by over like 600% that year. And, but like literally at the start, I was like, I don't even know how, <laughs> I don't even know how we're going to keep going. And it's amazing. Yeah. But it was that mental thermostat. It was like, yeah. I'm here. I don't know how to get to here and I haven't really been past here. So I don't know if that's even possible, but then when you break past that mental thermostat, there's like a new baseline and a new ceiling and then yeah. you, and it just keeps going up and up and up. So yeah, even, even the, the baselines <clears throat> and the ceilings is like what you 
perceive as a is a ceiling for you as a baseline for somebody else yeah, like, yeah. and you go you get around that person you're like oh my gosh i didn't realize that that is even a possibility for that like yep. that's, that's a pretty significant shift in in the business like i'm sure there's there's so much detail into that but what would you say are a couple of the key factors that helped you go from your first year feeling exhausted just trying to get across that kind of ceiling mm. to then you know, 10xing or, you know, really seeing yeah. that significant increase. Like what were some of the key things that you've been doing? Yeah, I think um, a lot of it is just consistency and persistence really. Yeah. Cause I think like we were just in a phase where um, we were building the foundations. We were gaining trust in the marketplace. Like that definitely takes mm. a bit of time. And I'm sure even when you stepped out and, and started doing what you do, like, it probably took a while to gain that trust that yeah. y you're an expert in your field. Um, and yeah, so there was just like, I think I see people sometimes in that first year, they aren't getting the traction they hoped for. So they almost like quite down what they're doing and um, they just take a bit of a step back and then it's just like, it, it's almost like slowly starts fizzling away. Um, whereas we kind of kept our foot on the gas, kept believing in what we were trying to achieve. Like mm. even little things like posting on Instagram, it might sound like a, such a, I don't know, like just unrelated part, part to gaining traction. But I think it's these like little things, like if you're, getting discouraged that you're not where you're wanting to be. And then you had an idea that you were going to post once a day for your business or for what you're building, whatever. And then, so you start posting once a week, like that's naturally, you, you're naturally going to start losing people's eyeballs and attention and trust um, as opposed to like persisting and like pushing through that period where it feels like no one cares about what you're doing or it's not resonating. Mm. Um, and I think as well, like sometimes when you feel like everyone's seen or heard like what you're doing, like that's like a, um, probably like a self-conscious thing and they have, they need to hear about it five more times. Mm. And like, so yeah, I think it was so just true. like, we were still in that foundation phase. Like people were still digesting like who we were, what we we're about. And then through just persevering and being consistent and um, continuing to create new products and create more opportunities for people to connect with us. It like started clicking and um, mm. yeah, we kind of found our traction. It's funny because people will then see it clicking and be like, oh, what did you do to get that success? And mm -hmm. you're like, well, no, I've been doing it. Just yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah. that I was doing before it had that yeah. kind of success. It did, was just the consistency. Did you find that? Yeah. I mean, well, as you were talking, the thing that I thought immediately popped into my head was sometimes it's not about stepping forward. Sometimes it's just about showing up when other people step back. Mm. And it's like, what makes you stand out from the crowd? And sometimes people are like, well, I've got to do something that pushes me like a leap ahead of everybody mm. else. But like, if you think about like what you said, people show up for a year and then they stop all they do is just step back and yeah. you just keep showing up. And all of a sudden you're out in front of the pack and they're like, well, how did you get there? I'm like, well, it's not that I was necessarily out in front. It's just that everybody else stopped showing up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, but you're right. If, if people don't see you, they can't trust you. And I, I always talk about this from the leadership perspective. 
if you're a business and you show up and you don't show up, people can't see you. So if they can't see you, they can't connect with you. If they can't mm. connect with you, they can't trust you. Mm. But the same even for a leader, like as someone who's listening, mm. they've got like some people say, well, I don't do LinkedIn. I don't do any of that stuff because I'm, you know, what, whatever. Or they don't do team, uh, you know, town halls or anything like that. And I'm like, you can't follow an invisible leader. Yeah. I'm like you just need to have the courage to be seen, the courage to be out in front. Yeah. Um, so that other people can build trust and connection with you. So it's, true. Um, it's really important. I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on this conversation and thinking about, you know, obviously there's this key piece around getting around people who inspire you to think outside of a small way of doing things or being and get into a bigger world. So you break through that ceiling and it becomes your floor. I think there's a lot of people who maybe would be at home and go like, I feel like I'm stuck in that status quo. Mm -hmm. And I, I have an imagination for the life that I want but it's not the life that I'm living. And yeah. I kind of feel like I'm doing just the same things over again. How did you smash out of that status quo? What did, what did it take to do that? What, what do people need in order to be able to do that? And what's your kind of advice for them? Yeah, for me, it was deeply understanding the, like what was guiding me um, mm. and specifically the voices that were guiding me. So I think everyone has like these two voices inside their head. It's like... This negative, pessimistic voice of fear. And then there's this like optimistic, hopeful voice that's like filled more with possibility. And it's like different for everyone. Some people might be so, have been so guarded by that like negative voice that they don't even recognize that there's another one there. For me, like when I was kind of at that crossroads looking at that conventional path and the unconventional path, um, I remember that yeah battle between the two voices and like wh what do i listen to what do i let allow to guide me and for me it was just finding the courage to take that first small step of faith and decide to follow that hope-filled voice of possibility into the unknown where i had no idea what i was doing and yeah had no idea what it was going to look like uh mm. and then i, I feel like I just went on this big adventure of like or choosing to always side with this voice of possibility over over everything. So, I would, you know, almost it was like a daily decision to do that. And um, that's where I guess we we're talking about before. It can become like a learned skill because um, at the start, I wasn't that confident. I wasn't bold. I wasn't probably fully comfortable in my own skin. And through that process of just like, every day waking up and choosing to reject those like negative voices um anything that like had come from a place of fear just like choosing which is so hard like because i still get mm. i still have days where i feel down or whatever and then i get to the end of the day and i feel like, why am i doing that and it's it's because i'm letting that voice guide me or dictate how i'm feeling that day um so yeah, I think like if you're stuck in the status quo and you're like feeling like there's more to life than what you're experiencing, like I would just encourage you to really try to start recognizing what are the, those voices that are guiding you throughout life and just try to give yourself the permission to to follow that opposite voice, that that voice of possibility um, and, and bet on yourself, on your ambitions. Um, just give it one shot, see what happens. Um, I think, you know, even if it's like me, you could say my first business ended up a failure, but it's pushed me into 
you know, what we're doing now. And like, I look at um, the, all the legal stuff and all the stress that that came with like as a blessing in disguise now, because I wouldn't be doing what I was doing now. I might, like, might have moved to the coast, Middle East, like if I was just flying in whatever I was doing then. So um, yeah, it's, it's all about recognizing awesome. those two voices. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is always this quote of um, we often end up grateful for the things we would have given anything to avoid. Yeah, um, wow. And it's, so it is, it's rough because you look back at things in the moment and you're like, I would I would never want to do that again, yeah. like in the moment. <laughs> yeah. But you do eventually look back at it and go like, I'm really grateful for what it produced yeah. in me or what it revealed in me. Um, and you're like, I, I don't ever want to do it again, <laughs> of course, but at the same time, I'm also super grateful for, for what it did produce. I yeah. mean, what I loved what you said is, is this idea of like, like side with the voice of possibility, uh, like just, just side with the voice of possibility and go, well, why not? Why couldn't we, we, we try that or give mm. that a go? I'm going to bet on myself and have a go at it. Do you reckon external voices can add to, so you've got those two internal yeah, yeah, voices, yeah. the voice of possibility, the voice of pessimism. Do you think external voices contribute to one or the other? Yeah, definitely. Um, like even when Elise and I started Zorali, we had, um, yeah, we so we both had those internal voices, but then, yeah, we definitely had external voices. And um, Elise left Rip Curl two months before we got married. So pretty much I think anyone in our life, as much as they probably were trying to encourage us, were like, what the <laughs> heck are these two doing? <laughs> so... Even, um, I think, I think largely my parents were pretty used to like the way I roll and were probably not that surprised, but I remember Elise's dad was pretty shocked. Um, she left Rip Curl and yeah, so often it's like the, the closest, the voices that are closest to you can, um, mm. you know, they project their own, like obviously care for you so they can like project their fear of what could go wrong onto you. And it yeah. can be like also um, something that you just need to like, yeah, you, you need to not hold so closely if you feel like maybe it's not the uh, truest form of wisdom. Like maybe it's coming mm. from their own place of fear or um, yeah. And and I mean, social media, like it's another one. It's obviously probably like a broader voice, but um, mm. yeah, that's like such a big one in this day and age, just like caring about what other people are going to think. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it feels like I've often said to people that the, the most damaging voices are not the voices that are flat out lies. They're always the, the voices that are half truths. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and I think about things like, you know, when you're insecure, maybe you sit there and go like, oh, I don't like the, I don't like the way my feet look, or, you know, something ridiculous, you know, like that. And, and you're like, I don't like the way that, and maybe you've got like a toe that's longer than another toe. Maybe it is kind of true. I got one and of those. The truth is it has no bear. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm just, I'm looking at my own feet here right now. I'm just maybe projecting my own insecurities. <laughs> but like someone says, oh my gosh, you got ugly feet. And the truth is, it's not necessarily a lie because I mean, feet are generally ugly <laughs> in, in general, but it's kind of like a half truth. And that's a silly example, yeah. but maybe it's something like in business where it's like, oh, you shouldn't drop out of uni yeah. um, because, you know, like, how are you going to get a job? Mm. And it's like, there's kind of a half truth in that. Like mm. there is an element of like, okay, well, if I do quit uni, then what if I, you know, what if it doesn't work? Or what if I quit mm. my job at Rip Curl and this business doesn't succeed? Yeah. There's kind of a half truth in that. And so I would, I would get the sense that, 
in order to be able to navigate and build something in the face of what is a conventional way of doing things, what other people are saying is the way that things should happen, you've got to have something as a bit of a guiding, um, you know, an internal guiding measure that keeps you on the unconventional path. Yeah. Like what's that thing for you and Elise? What's the thing that stops you from just going back and getting a job or going back down the path that's already been walked? Like mm. what keeps you on the unconventional path? Yeah. Uh, I think a big one for Elise and I is our faith. So mm. we, yeah, we have a faith and we kind of see where like we're on this journey through life with God and um, he's there with us and he's kind of lighting our path for us. And that probably mm. gives us a lot of peace that we're like not just relying on our own strength. Because, um, mm. yeah, there's probably times where Without that faith, like um, some of the mountains or whatever would feel like uh, too big to surmount. So I think mm. for, for that, that's a big one for Elise and I that just um, like I talked to a lot of business people or even the other day I was um, chatting to a CFO of a really large company and um, he was asking like how I sleep at night and it was like it was kind of a weird question. We weren't talking anything about sleep or well-being. Like a, I'm, I'm guessing a curious like, how do you sleep at night? Not like, Cam, how do you sleep at yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> a curious. And he a said, curious one, right? Okay, and, good. And he and he did, he did like he said, I'm asking you this because my experience with other entrepreneurs is that they don't sleep very well. And I was like almost a little bit surprised. I was like, I actually sleep really well. And I think for us, it's like having. Um, having that faith that like um that for us like yeah we believe like god has a plan for us and like um he's behind our lives he's guiding us and like yeah it just gives us like a incredible perspective that even if everything fails like it's all going to be fine and like mm. <laughs> yeah i think it just gives us a, a a lightness that maybe other people who are like carrying it all on their shoulders don't have. So um, mm. that's definitely a big one for us that like is, yeah, special for us that we can kind of hold together and um, mm. walk through the challenges of, of life with whether it's like business, personal stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's... I, I think a lot of people, key. you know, I mean, you see so much. One of the things I've seen a lot more, especially in the business book world is people writing more and more about the idea of purpose. Like Gallup did a whole bunch of research and they were saying that people want to go from paycheck to purpose. Cause I think people mm. want some sense of, you know, meaning uh, in their life and in their business and the work that they're doing. And so, you know, whatever people's kind of worldview is, whether it's faith in God or the universe or all those perspectives, yeah. like having some kind of an internal guiding yeah. purpose yeah. that helps you to not have to carry it all on your own shoulders yeah. um, means that you're probably less inclined to be overwhelmed by the other voices, external voices that try to pull yeah, you back so into true. the way things are supposed to be done. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, I mean, I'm mindful of our time and I want to bring this into kind of close. It's been such a cool conversation then. I, I'm so inspired by what you guys have built in Zorali and the journey and kind of like in the midst of setbacks, keep getting it back up, keep kind of climbing over those mountains and, and not only just climbing over them yourselves, but bringing a community of people with you in that, which is huge. Like it's, it's easy as a pioneering leader to be able to blaze a new path 
but it's really tough to blaze a new path and not lose everybody that's following you in the process. And I feel like you've brought a community of people on that journey with you, which is huge. Yeah, thanks. And so I want you to just like in like 30 or, 30 or 40 seconds, like something really, imagine someone sitting at home on the couch right now going, my life is stuck in the status quo. I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I do my thing, I wake up. I, I, I'm, I want more than anything to get out of this rut that mm. I'm in. I want to get outdoors. I want to do something that kind of shakes things up, but I'm just feeling like I'm not, I just feel like I can't like get on a soapbox and speak directly to that person. Now, what would you say to that person? Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, first of all, like I think just take a deep breath, chill. <laughs> and then no, uh, second of all, like, yeah, I, I think it, it all goes back to really understanding what is guiding you, whether it is those internal voices, maybe it's external voices, maybe it's, other external factors like uh, money, like you don't want to lose, you know, you really good paycheck for the unknown of what it's going to look like to follow your own ambition. Um, deeply understand what's guiding you, um, what's holding you back. And yeah, I, I just think give yourself the permission to bet on your ambitions and um, maybe even if you just put like a, a time frame to it. So, I'm going to try this thing. If it doesn't work out in six months time, 12 months time, if I'm not seeing any fruit, maybe I, you know, go back to that. But the other thing I'd say, like if you, it, I've been blessed to kind of do a lot of this with relatively little responsibility. Um, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> like, I think, that's where I would probably put the time frame in if I, if I was like trying to go bet on my own ambitions, but I've got, you know, family to feed and, you know, it's a mm. risk taking, um, just like leaving that steady income or whatever. That's where I'd probably, I reckon I'd put the time frame as opposed nice. to what I've been able to do at a young age and just go, <laughs> I'm going to make this yeah. work and I'm going to win if I just Even simply... if I have to like sleep on the streets in the process <laughs> yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that because it's, it's balancing um, unconventional paths with wisdom, right? Like un the unconventional path says I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to have a go at it. But at the same time, I'm also going to put wisdom and boundaries around it so that I don't hurt people in the process of yeah, it, which yeah. I think is just smart and, yeah. and wise. And um, honestly, mate, this, this has been such a helpful conversation. I know people who listen to this podcast is a mixture of people. Some people are leading businesses. Some people are leading teams within an organization. And I would say to the people who are leading people within an organization, we've talked a lot about the business journey because that's that's obviously a lot of your experience, Cam. But it, it applies across the board. It's, it's, it's taking a risk and betting on yourself within a business. Mm. Maybe it's going for the role that you think you're not necessarily qualified yeah. for, but you've kind of pushed yourself down and said, well, that's not me. Or maybe it's taking a risk on an idea in your business, um, in your team, that maybe could come and backfire on you, may, may make you look bad. But like choosing the unconventional path, it's not just about business. It's in all of these kind of key areas as yeah, well. Yeah, I love that. And so, mate, I've really appreciated chatting to you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks, Shane. It's been good fun. Where's the best place for people to connect with Zarali and for to find out more about you guys? Yeah, um, on the gram, as as the young on people the gram. say, uh, at Zarali Z O R A L I, and um, yeah, you'll probably see our faces on there and uh, be able to connect with us there as well. 
<laughs> Amazing. I'll put all the details in the show notes of how people can check out the website and the store and all the products, which is just absolutely sensational. And um, hopefully a whole bunch of people can can get outdoors and enjoy this kind of amazing planet that we live on. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Shane. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week. 